0: many people never find significance because of the disease of discouragement. This message is the seventh in the series, 10 Lessons for a Life of Significance. The message is entitled, Fight Discouragement. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles and do all your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word. This morning, we're involved in a series of messages entitled, 10 Lessons for a Life of Significance. And I want to talk to us today about uh, fighting discouragement in our life, how to fight discouragement. It's been said that people live lives at a variety of levels, and as we've talked about over these weeks together, some folks will live life at a basic level of survival. If I can just make it through today and get into tomorrow, then I feel like somehow I've made it. And all of us have those moments in life when we're surviving, we're barely making it through, and we sort of make it just the next 24 hours, but it's not good to live a life that way. It's not great to always be in survival mode, but that's where some folks live. There are others that might move on from the survival mode to a place of success. And maybe they have a bit of margin in their life, they've accomplished a few things, and they feel a bit better about their life, or maybe very good about their life because of what has happened and the achievements they've had. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when they arrive at this place called success, they feel like that they've arrived at the pinnacle of living. That life is all about succeeding. And while success indeed is a wonderful thing and God is not anti-success, what we must understand is that in the Bible, success really isn't the top layer of living. It's not the top dimension of life. Actually, the Bible teaches us about another level of living called a life of significance. While that word is not specifically used in in the Bible, there is a kind of lifestyle that goes beyond certainly survival and success to significance. See, sir, success is something that happens to you in your life. You accomplish something. It's something that occurs in your experience, your world, your sphere. But significance is something that happens through you that you begin to make a difference in the world. Around you, you begin to advance God's kingdom in the world, that you're not just living for yourself. See, success is primarily about ourselves. Significance is primarily about God and others. To understand how to live a life of significance, we need some models, we need something to look at so we'll understand what that life even is. And in this series, we're taking a look at the Old Testament character, David. David, as he started out his journey with God, he was a young shepherd boy, and of course God had a plan for his life to take him to uh, the place he would become the second king of Israel. But in getting there, lots of different things happened in David's life. And in this series, we're looking at some of those things, some of the events that transpired in David's life that reveals to us his character. For the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. David was never perfect. David had lots of mistakes in his life. David, if you study his life, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly that that goes along with David's life experience. But there was something about David that he had a heart after God. He kept coming back to God time and time again. He lived a life of significance. We know that because we're still talking about him today. He lived for something far beyond success. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to build a house for God. He wanted to do things for God. He had a heart to serve God, and so he lived a significant life. And today I wanna talk to you about a very specific time in David's life when he had to learn how to deal with discouragement, because if you're going to live a significant life, you're going to, at some point in time, have to deal with this thing called discouragement. It's just a part of living, it's a part of life. If you don't learn how to conquer it, you'll never have significance. And so for the next few moments, I want to share with you four lessons that I have learned in my life. I guess I would say more accurately, I am learning in my life because I'm on this journey as well. We're all on this journey together. We're learning things day by day as we walk with God. And so I'm continuing to try to learn these lessons, and I hope that you'll join me today in this journey And talking about how do we handle, what do we do, how do we fight, how do we overcome discouragement in life? And the first thing is this very simple statement. Actually, all four statements I'm going to give you today are very, very simple, but nevertheless, very important. The first statement is to recognize that discouragement is something that is extremely common. Everybody experiences it. The word to to discourage, the idea, the verb discouragement or the concept discouragement literally means that you have lost your courage or you lost your hope or you've lost your confidence. It means that you have been dissuaded from doing something or you're now disheartened. Discouragement is a a feeling, but it's, it's more a thought process. You might feel discouraged, but you're feeling discouraged because of the way that you're thinking. There are certain thoughts that get into your head by reason of circumstances, and you you begin to think and say things like this, I I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going. I, I, I just don't think this is worth it. You get to this place in life where you're saying, you know what? I give up. I quit. I'm not even going to try. Nothing I try works. That's called discouragement. It's a kind of self-talk that reveals a condition of your soul, a weariness inside of you that happens in your heart. You lose heart, you lose courage, you lose spirit, you become discouraged. It's very, very common and it's very real and it's very, very tricky. It's tricky because discouragement sneaks in. You don't always know when it's arrived in your life, but you begin to feel the consequences of it over a period of time. And it's tricky in the sense that you might be encouraged in one area of your life and discouraged in another. You might be encouraged on your job, but discouraged in your family. You might be encouraged on some realm of uh, of some goal you have in life, but maybe discouraged in your finances. So discouragement doesn't necessarily attack every realm of your life at one time, but it's It's a a compartmentalized kind of thing that ultimately over time can take over your whole soul. It can embrace you and pull you down and begin to strangle the very life out of you. It's common. Everybody experiences it. I'm going to walk you through some examples in the Bible of people who are affected by discouragement. Let me take you first to Exodus chapter 6 verse 9. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. But they, that is the people of Israel, refused to listen anymore. They stopped listening. They had become too, what's the next word there? Discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. The Bible says that this group of people, the people of Israel had been so discouraged by their Slavery and the brutality of what they'd experienced in life that they became discouraged to the point of not really being able to listen or not being willing to listen to God. Numbers 32 is a description of the 10 spies that came back from the promised land as Moses had sent them in to see if they could go in and take the land. And 10 of the spies came back with a very negative report. Notice what happens here after they went up to the Valley of Eskel that was in the promised land and explored the land. They discouraged the people of Israel from entering the land the Lord was giving them. So, 10 men who were discouraged, discouraged an entire nation and kept them from going into the promised land. Joshua chapter one, verse nine, God is leading Joshua now to take over the nation of Israel and lead them ultimately into the promised land. And God reminds Joshua as as he's about to take over this leadership responsibility. God says to him, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God says, Joshua, whatever happens, don't lose your courage. Don't lose your spirit. Don't have a give up kind of spirit. Don't let discouragement, take over your life. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there was a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. He's serving the, the, the southern kingdom of Israel called Judah. It's a very small little nation, and Jehoshaphat hears one day that there are three other nations, three big armies coming against his little army. And he knows that he's in trouble, and so he calls a fast among the people of Israel, a people of Judah, I should say, and they come together and begin to fast and ask God for deliverance, and God sends a prophet, and notice what God speaks through the prophet, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. He said, the prophet said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God says to this group of people, one of the things that can keep you from winning this battle is discouragement. Be careful. Don't let discouragement find its way in. I think all of us here who've been exposed to the Bible know something about the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul was an amazing leader in the early church, the first century church. We read his various epistles, various letters, many of the letters of the New Testament, most much of the New Testament was penned by the apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit. We would think obviously that Paul was a very strong man, and indeed he was, a man of great faith. But you know that Paul himself got discouraged at times. In second chronicles chapter, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6, I want you to notice what Paul says himself about one experience in his own life. He said, when we arrived in Macedonia, that's where Philippi was, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Paul says there was a time when we were in Macedonia and it seemed like all kind of hell was breaking loose and all kind of problems were happening around us. We found ourselves in a place of great discouragement and the thing that lifted us up was God sent Titus to us to help us in the time of discouragement. Everybody faces discouragement. It is extremely common. If you're going through a discouraging time in your life right now, you need to understand it's part of the human common experience. Everybody gets discouraged from time to time. David experienced it in his life. I'm going to draw your attention to the main theme, the main passage for today's study. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It tells the story of David at one of the most discouraging times in his own life. Let me give you a little bit of setup here so you understand what's going on. David was not yet king of Israel. Saul was still the king, but God had promised that David was was going to become king. And so Saul is angry at David because he feels threatened by David, and Saul is trying to kill him. And by the way, if you've missed uh, some of the other messages in in this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sequential messages leading to this message because it will help you to understand the history of what's happening here as a part of this story so David one day said, I've got to get away from Saul. He's trying to kill me. And he goes down to a place called Gath. It was in the territory of the Philistines. And, and he, he's, he's given a city there to live in while he's there. It's the city of Ziklag. And while David is out one day from Ziklag trying to help the, the Philistines in a battle, David comes back then after that moment and arrives back at his town and his little city called Ziklag where he and his men were staying and we find the story in 1 Samuel 30 beginning in verse number one. Three days later when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. So they get back to their little city and their 600 men and their families are to be there and they realize we've had an invasion while we were gone. The Amalekites have come in and they've literally crushed Ziklag and they burned my little town to the ground." They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. So they kidnapped kidnapped all the families and took them away. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. So here's David, his 600 men. They come back to the city. All the the wives and children have been kidnapped by the Amalekites. Everything that was of value in the town had been stolen and they'd finally burned the town down to the ground. Nothing of value was left left there at all. And David and his men are standing there amid all these ruins, amid all this rubble. And now they find themselves completely discouraged. What else can happen in my life now? The Bible says they wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever wept until you could weep no more? Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt so low that you couldn't even get any more tears out? You cried all the tears that you had in your system and There was nothing else that would come out. That's where David and his men were. They were in a very discouraging situation. But it gets worse from here. You think, that's bad. Let's take a look at what happens next. Verse 5. David's two wives, Ahenoim from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. Verse 6 says, David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning here him. Let's stop there for a moment. So we've got David and Ziklag. All that's happened there. Everybody's weeping until they can weep no more. And then what happened was this. Note this. The men began to be bitter toward David. David, you got us into this mess. You're the problem here. In fact, the best thing we can do is we can stone you. We can put you to death because you made this. You you caused this thing to happen, and everybody's blame turned toward David unfairly. But all the blame of his 600 men turned toward him, and David now is all alone in his misery. He's all alone in his discouragement. There's nobody encouraging David. But the Bible goes on to say, and we'll come back to this in a moment. I'll read it now, and I'll talk more about this later. The Bible says, the latter part of verse number six, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Would you say that phrase with me? But David found strength in the Lord his God. Sadly, in our lives, there are times when we have experiences, maybe not exactly like this, but it feels as though everything bad that can go wrong has gone wrong in our lives. And to add Misery to the situation, nobody is there to encourage us. And that's exactly where David was in this moment. But he did something. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And you can't strengthen. In fact, one of the translations actually uses the word here, encouraged. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You can't encourage yourself unless you're discouraged. David was very discouraged. Discouragement happens. It's common. As I'm preaching here today in this room. And the various campuses where we've gathered today as a church, there are people sitting in seats, some of you here today, you, you and other campuses, that right now in your life you feel like that your zigzag has been burned down. You feel like as though everything's been stolen from you. You feel it might be a variety of circumstances that may not necessarily relate to the story that we're reading here today, but you feel very discouraged in your life and you feel all alone. Hold on because there's more to the story that we're about to get to today. Amen? The second point I want to share with you today is this. Discouragement is caused by certain things. It's caused by what I'm going to call persistent problems in your life. I've noticed that if one little problem comes my way, generally I can handle one little problem that I'm dealing with. Or even if it's a larger problem, it's one problem and you kind of deal with it, you get beyond it. But but persistent problems are a different thing. And there's an old adage that says, there's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And that's how discouragement works. Discouragement doesn't come to us in one fell swoop. It comes little by little over time. And then there's that that last thing that just those few ounces of pressure add to us. And there's that straw that breaks the camel's back because there's been something that's been persistent in our lives. This is seen in the story of a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament. Elijah lived during a time where the northern kingdom Israel had a king by the name of Ahab and he had a wife by the name of Jezebel. If you don't know that story, at least you probably are familiar with the fact that Jezebel represents a very bad woman. I mean bad in the bad sense, not bad in the good sense, okay? She's a really hateful, mean, vindictive woman and she's very idolatrous, She worships Baal. And she's turned all of Israel into the worship of Baal. And so Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. And so Elijah was trying to declare God's word in the midst of this very adversarial environment of all these worshipers of Baal. And so Elijah finds himself having to hide himself by a brook so that he's not killed by Ahab and Jezebel. and He's hiding there for years. It is a persistent problem that will not go away. And ultimately God brings him out of that cave and sends him to Mount Carmel where he he faces 450 prophets of Baal and, and God by. A miraculous event gives him victory over those 450 prophets of Baal, and they're all destroyed. But after that, things get worse for Elijah. It's been persisting his problems over a period of time. Notice what happens now in 1 Kings 19, verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. He had killed all the 450 prophets of Baal, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. So Jezebel sends a message to Elijah and says, you know what? What's going to happen? God's kill me, destroy me. If I don't by this time tomorrow, kill you. That's the text message you don't want to receive. Okay. <laughs> so now Jezebel is after Elijah. It seems like year after year and problem after problem. Notice what happens now. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, that's down the lower part of Israel, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there. Then he went on alone, notice that, alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Have you ever prayed that you might die? I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Elijah was very discouraged. Just like David was discouraged, all the persistent problems he had faced, Elijah was discouraged. As I was thinking about this message and preparing and I prepared this message several weeks ago and sitting and reflecting as I was putting this message together, what, what discourages me what, what, what are the things that what are the, what are the straws that break the camel's back in my own life and as I've seen it working with people I've been in, in ministry for, for about 40 years now so I've worked with a lot of people over these years and what is it that discourages people it's not one problem it's for persistent problems and i've listed I listed in my own life I listed I think for you as well six problems. These are not on your notes, but you may want to write them down just to reflect on them, think about it in your own life. The first problem is, is a persistent lack. It's something I'm lacking in my life. And just that lack, I can't ever find what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm lacking something, or maybe you're lacking something. It might be money. It might be relationship. It might be something that's, for a long period of time, it's persistent. Second thing is a persistent attack You're going through a spiritual onslaught of hell and you're going through an attack that's happening in your life and it seems to just come wave after wave after wave. It's persistent. Thirdly, it would be a persistent loss in your life or losses in your life. You you seem to lose this relationship and lose this job or lose this opportunity. It seems like there's one loss after another. It's just not one, but it's persistent in your life. And there's, fourthly, persistent limitations. It's things you run up against that restrict your life from moving forward. Forward. you want to make progress, but it seems like these things are always in the way. You can't seem to get past those restrictions, those limitations, or it might be a persistent load you're carrying, but you've got this pressure on you. That you seem to be, you can't shake, you can't get beyond. It is a load that you're carrying with you and it's persistent. Or the last one, persistent labor. That you're working hard and you can't seem to get a break. The labor of life seems to be hard for you. And so these things are, are very persistent. The lack, the attack, the loss, the limitations, the loads, the labor. These are things that over time can discourage you. David, as Ziklag felt, all of those things. He's looking at his life and he's realizing that he lacks, there's been an attack, there's been a loss, there are limitations. He looks at his life and says, this is a heavy load that I'm bearing and I've got to labor my way through this. All of these things were persistent in his life because he was being pursued by Saul. One thing after another in Ziklag was the straw that broke the camel's back. And maybe in your life there's been a straw that has broken the camel's back and you're feeling very discouraged today. The third thing is that discouragement is dangerous. What's the big deal about discouragement? I'm going to make a, a couple of statements here that I hope you'll listen closely to. Discouragement, I believe, I really believe this, I believe that discouragement is one of the devil's most frequently used and most infrequently recognized weapons. I'll say that again. I believe that that discouragement is one of the devil's most frequently used weapons and most frequently, infrequently recognized weapons. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this. I truly believe, and you may disagree with me, and that's okay if you do, but I believe that discouragement has potentially taken out far more people in their Christian journey than outright disobedience has. There's a lot of people who've lost their way on their Christian journey, not because they were disobeying God, but because they were discouraged. And somewhere in their discouragement, they just gave up and they quit because the discouragement of their soul was, was so much. It wasn't just their disobedience. Maybe their discouragement led them to disobedience, but it, it started with discouragement. It, it kept them from pursuing God because they were, they were giving, up, giving up on the inside. See, see discouragement is dangerous. Discouragement over a period of time will rob you of your faith, and your faith is what you you connect to God with. It is how you love on God, and how you respond to God, and how he works in your life. It's the key that opens the promises of God to you, and so discouragement begins to rob your faith, and discouragement removes hope from your life. You can't see a better tomorrow Discouragement reduces your effort. You want to sort of lay down and and stop putting anything in. It sort of romanticizes your idea of resignation. I just want to give up. And here, ultimately, discouragement reproduces itself in other people around you, so you end up living in a community of discouragement. Are you with me today? That's why we're warned about it. It's dangerous. I want you to fast forward with me many years now in David's life. We're going to come back to Ziklag in a moment because it's a key part of the story. We're going to, we're going to fast forward a number of years into David's life now. He's, a, he's an old man by this time. He's about to turn over the kingdom to his son, Solomon. He's been king for, for 40 years. He's going to turn over the kingdom to his son, Solomon. And he has a conversation with his son. And the conversation between David and his son is recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. I want you to notice when your daddy's giving you a conversation when he's about to die. He's probably gonna say some very important things. Would you agree? So daddy David is about to have a conversation with Solomon's son as, he's about, as David is about to die. He's gonna mention some important things. Look at what David said. Then David continued. This is 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. Be strong, Solomon, and courageous, and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged don't let fear and don't let discouragement work its way in. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. That is, Solomon, you keep doing the right thing. Don't let fear and don't let discouragement find its way into your heart. Why did Solomon receive this information? Why was he told to guard against discouragement? Why did David bring this up in his last days? Because David knew what discouragement would do to a person he knew what discouragement would do to his son. And so he finally, as he's leaving this this life and moving to the next one, he says Solomon, don't let it happen in your life. And many people will never find significance, they never enter into significance, because discouragement robs them of their future. My fourth and final point today is this. Defeating discouragement requires determination. If you're taking notes this morning after you write down the word determination, I'd like to invite you just to look at that statement on your notes just for a second. Defeating discouragement requires determination. Now some of you might ask, well pastor, why, does, why didn't you, instead of determination, why was, wasn't the key word defeating discouragement requires prayer or de- defeating discouragement requires the Bible or re- defeating discouragement requires going to church? Why, why, why did you say defeating discouragement requires determination? Because here's what happens. When discouragement gets into you, it robs you of your determination so that you no longer pray, so you no longer get into your word, your Bible, and you no longer come to church. How many people have stopped coming to church because they were discouraged? How many people have stopped praying because they got discouraged? How many people have stopped picking up their Bible and and getting into the pages of God's Word because they were discouraged? See, what will get you through discouragement is, is not just the prayer. It's not just the Bible. It's not just coming to church and the variety of disciplines that we have in our spiritual journey, all of which are very, very important. But what you have to have to get you through discouragement is something different than those things. It's something that keeps you moving toward those things. It's called determination. And determination is a a choice of the will. There's something that firmly gets fixed in you that says, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't feel like praying, but I'm going to pray. I don't feel like reading my Bible, but I'm going to read my Bible. I don't feel like coming to church but I'm gonna come to church anyway. In fact, I have a word for somebody here right now by the Holy Spirit. You didn't feel like coming to church today, but you got up and you came to church. And I promise you, you're gonna leave with a victory in your life because of that determination. So we have to have something that gets us up and something that gets us moving. And and this is exactly what David did in his situation. He had a kind of determination. Notice again, verses six through nine of 1 Samuel chapter 30, we're back at Ziklag now and the terrible, devastating experience in Ziklag. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Let me give you the other rendering of that. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out and they came to the brook Besor. Let me stop there for a moment. Here's what happens. All of his men are talking about stoning him. David is all alone. He has no encouragement in his life. And there'll be times in your life you'll have no encouragement. By the way, we ought to always be encouraging one another. Amen? amen. Everybody needs some encouragement. How many of you would just nod your head this morning you could stand a little bit of encouragement in your life, amen? Some of us, some folks in the, in the church, not this one, hopefully, but some folks in some churches believe that there's a spiritual gift called discouragement. And they go around and they disseminate discouragement everywhere. Let me, let me tell you, there is no spiritual gift of discouragement, but there is the gift of encouragement. And God wants you to use that gift in your life, and you need to be an encourager. How much better would it, would it have been if those 600 men would have gathered around David that day and said, David, this is a bad David. We're going to make it. David, this is a bad David. We're standing with you. But instead, they're all discouraged. And David is standing all alone, but he says, you know what? In the midst of my discouragement, I'm going to get a hold of God because he never leaves me alone. I'm never alone. And I have a friend. He is my refuge and he is my strength. And David did something that day where he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. In a moment, I'll give you what I believe would have been been some of the things that David would have done. But he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And as he's encouraged, he rises up and says, where is the priest? I need the ephod. I've got some questions for God right now. And my questions are, can we go down and get everything back? God, will you fight the battle for us? God, will you help us out and help us to get all that's been stolen? And so David goes to the priest. God says, Go after them. You're gonna recover everything that's been stolen from you. See, God put a word in David's heart that carried him into his future. And Notice what happens now as we look at verse number 18 and 19, verses 18 and 19. By the way, let me say something else before I get to these verses. I don't wanna miss this part. Sometimes all it takes is one person to get encouraged to help everybody else get encouraged. Because all the 600 men Went with David down to fight the Amalekites. And just a few moments before, they'd been talking about stoning him, but, but David's encouragement encouraged them. Now, what happens here in the story? Verses 18 and 19 of 1 Samuel 30. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought back. Everything. David brought everything back. Everybody say everything. everything. Did it make a difference that David dealt with his discouragement? See, David would have never experienced that amazing restoration, that miraculous intervention of God had he not been determined to encourage himself in the Lord his God. How did he do it? don't know for sure, but I have a, a couple of ideas here. I think he probably said to himself things like this, Psalm 34, six and seven. When I had nothing, that's Ziklag, right? Desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me bringing his miracle deliverance when I need it most. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Perhaps he quoted Psalm 42 Verses five through eight, maybe he began to declare this in the presence of God that day when he was encouraging himself, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Perhaps David began to quote psalms like that, and as he did, his heart began to be encouraged once again that led to the encouragement of his men and the recovery of everything that had been taken from him. He determined to fight discouragement. Dear ones, what I hope and pray for you today is that wherever you're discouraged, that today you'll leave here determining to fight your discouragement, that there'll be a rising up on the inside of you that says, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to help you today, right now, in the next few moments, I'm going to help you get some fight in you. I mean, you know that sometimes you know you see these boxing matches that happens at times, and any time there's a, there's, a, there's the there's the 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 what do you call it when the 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 bout is over not not just, but they have different uh, when the bell rings what is that called <laughs> rounds there we go there you go sir have different rounds right okay. So the bell rings and it's, it's round number one or round number two. And, 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 there, and this guy comes back. You've seen the movies. This guy comes back to the side corner and he's all beaten up. and He's bloody. And there's somebody rubbing his shoulders and somebody patching up his eye. And somebody telling him, you can do this. You can get the fight back in you. And then the bell rings and they send him back out again. Right? What I want to do right now is I want to I wipe your eyes a little bit. You got some blood going on. Okay. I got you on the stool right now. I'm going to wipe off all that stuff. I'm going to put some fight back. I'm going to send you back out into the ring because the bell is about to ring for you. Ready, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Everybody, this is stand to your feet. Put your stuff aside. Get your notes in front of you, however, though. We're gonna read six statements today that will help put the fight back in you. But you gotta understand something to get the fight in you. You gotta you gotta work on this thing, right? You gotta encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And so, I want, I want when we read these if, in a few moments, I want you to read them with some fight in you. If you, if you don't have any, if you're, not, if you're not willing to have any fight in you, just, just go ahead and sit back down right now, okay, okay? So, okay. If you're gonna read these things like, We're I want some fight, so I'm gonna get you ready to, to declare this with some fight, okay? On the count of three, I want, you to, I want you to scream yes as loud as you can, okay? We're just getting you ready, this is all prep work, okay? Are You ready for this? On the count of three, I want you to scream yes as loud as you can. One, two, three. Yes! That was okay. Let's try it again. Getting close to getting you out of the chair. We're we're there. One more time. One, two, three. Yes! There you go. That same kind of voice I want you to use as we read these six statements together. Are you ready for that? Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you can do this. Go and tell him, you can do this. We're about to chase some discouragement out of our life, amen? We're about to get some discouragement out of this place, right? So number one, are you ready? You got your voice on? Got the fight in your spirit? All right, even if I feel like giving up, I will not. Just let that echo for a little bit, right? Let's do it again, number one. Even if I feel like giving up, I will not. Number two, I choose to believe the best about God and my circumstances. Again, I choose to believe the best about God and my circumstances. Number three, I choose to believe truth over lies. Again, I choose to believe truth over lies. Number four, I trust God for the next step. I'm not making a discouraging situation my last step. Amen? Amen. Again, I trust God for the next step. I'm not making a discouraging situation my last step. We got two more. Number five, I'm changing the things I need to change so I become stronger, wiser, and healthier. Declare it again. I'm changing the things I need to change So I become stronger, wiser, and healthier. And number six, read it aloud with all your heart. Here we go. I choose to rise above the crowd and inspire others to victory. Let's declare it one more time. I choose to rise above the crowd and inspire others to victory. Church, do you have some fight in you today, okay? Come on, do you have some fight in you? Suddenly, that determination, you say, Well, I'm not sure if I feel that, Pastor. Okay. I didn't ask you if you felt it. You don't have to feel it, you've got to do it. You think that David felt like encouraging himself in God? No, he didn't feel like it. He said, it. My whole future is in this moment. If I give into discouragement, if I give into discouragement now, what's going to happen? I've got to rally myself right now. I've got to get a hold of God because. My, family, my family's future depends upon it. The future of all these 600 men around me depends upon it. Somebody better rise up and drive some discouragement out because there's a future that God still has for us. Amen, okay? future God still has for us. You can be seated. Now I'm going to give you my second sermon. No, I'm joking with you, sir. So. What do we learn today? Discouragement is common. Everybody gets it. Happens usually because of persistent problems in our life. Not just one problem here or there, but persistent problems. It's dangerous because what it can do, but it also can be conquered by determination. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word today. We're grateful for the word of God. We're grateful for this wonderful story of David's life. And even though it was very painful for David, we thank you that there's a, there's a lesson out of it for us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, the same kind of fight that we spoke with a few moments ago, I pray that that kind of determination will be placed in every heart and life. Thank you for the victories that are on the way today because of this renewed encouragement in God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now, right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and. You can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash A New You. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.